So as we are continuing on in our Signs of Generosity series, kind of the tagline for the series is this idea of calculating the cost of trusting God with our money. That we're using this calculator theme and we're using each one of those mathematical signs, those symbols, to teach us and maybe illuminate a different sign, a different principle, a different aspect of living a generous lifestyle. Yes, with our money, that is part of it, but not only with our money. So it's good. It's bigger than just finances, but finances are definitely a part of it. And so this is our second week in it. And so last week we started with the equal sign. And the whole idea was that you cannot serve both money and God. They are not equals. And we really landed on this idea that we look to money, maybe this in our culture of kind of living in the American dream, this idea from rags to riches by the sweat of our brow and the perseverance of our spirit that we made something of ourselves. And uh, a previous pastor I know uh, would say that, you know, we talk about wanting to be a self-made man and, and he would, you know, jokely, jokefully quip, well, which part of yourself did you actually make? Because we're not self-made that we are recognizing that we may look to money and the American dream is something that we think can provide for a future security. But in reality, it is only through a relationship with Jesus that we experience our true eternal security. And we looked at the idea that we maybe sometimes in our culture can trust more in our bank statements than banking on the statement that God is faithful and will provide. So you cannot serve both money and God. They are not equals. One causes us to think that we can trust in money and something that's tangible here on earth. But as we looked at Matthew 6, the idea that if your treasures are here on earth, that's where thieves can come in and steal and vermin and, and things can come in and moth can destroy. But rather, our true eternal security comes from the fact that Jesus Christ, as we see in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that he knew all riches in heaven, but he made himself poor. And through his poverty, not that our American dream went from rags to riches, but he went from the riches of heaven to the rags of a manger. And through himself becoming poor and through his poverty, we have been made rich and experienced eternal life through God. So you cannot serve both. They are not equals because one causes us to be indebted to that which is on earth, and the other one causes us to be indebted to our Lord in heaven. And so we look at this idea, you cannot serve both money and God, they are not equals. And so this morning, we're going to dive into the plus sign, and we're going to look into what that means and how that impacts our lives as a sign of generosity. But before we do, let us pray and dive into what God has for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to, to hear our kids from VBS singing and doing motions. We thank you that our, our students are going up to Hume Lake. Lord, we thank you that you are breathing new life and doing incredible things through our children's ministry and through our, our youth ministry specifically. And so we pray that you would just do incredible things continuously through that. And Lord, we're grateful for what you have for us this morning. So I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak to us through your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit, and that you would teach us exactly what it is that you want us want for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we mentioned, we're going to be diving into the plus sign, and in a moment I'll explain our main point for that. But before we do, last week after service, um, after the second service, I, was, I felt so bad because I couldn't even help Miss Mary be able to set up everything because I had been asked by two friends from my previous church up in L.A. County to officiate their wedding. And so I drove up to Lake Arrowhead um, to do their wedding 
And it's this beautiful rustic location. It was, it was really great. And it's one of those things where I've done dozens of weddings in the past, but something happened and there's a specific circumstance for this wedding that all of a sudden I was much more nervous than I had been for previous weddings. And what happened is that this was a, a wedding in which they didn't have a, a large bridal party. In fact, they didn't have anybody else up there. It was just the bride, the groom, and me. And so what that meant was that, you know, small things like one, when the bride came forward and had her bouquet, she didn't hand it to a maid of honor. She handed it to me and I very gracefully put it on a stump. And um, it also meant though that just so you guys aren't worried, I didn't move her train or anything like that. She didn't have one. So don't worry. But we also had um, the because there's no best man, it meant that I was holding on to their wedding rings for the, all before service and throughout. I never had that responsibility for because it was one of those where there's always a best man. So I'm sitting here in my right pocket, I had the bride's ring and the groom's ring. And you know, the ring bearers came forward, but they didn't actually have the actual rings. And so it's one of those where this whole time, my hand was inside my pocket making sure, okay, both rings are in there, okay, great. Oh man, 30 seconds have passed and nothing's changed, but oh, the rings are there, okay, both rings are in there, great. And it's because you're entrusted with something so valuable. I was like, I don't wanna lose these rings. I was on this wooden platform. It would be just so happened my luck if a ring would fall out and fall in between the woods and on the, it's like you envision all these things so I just had my hand in my right pocket just feeling for both rings and it was one of those where I was so worried about it that I just had to make sure and it's one of those where it's almost like you're afraid that if I if I moved my hands against the ring so much that I up a hole and then the hole would then cause the rings to fall out and it's like a very self-fulfilling prophecy Thankfully, none of that happened. Thankfully, the ring stayed in my pocket. I was able to have this moment of relief when I was like, okay, here's the rings. Let's talk about it. They exchange rings. And the thing with that is, is that if, if they were to be able to, um, if I were to have lost a ring, right, or if it would have fallen down, could they have replaced the ring financially? Yeah. I mean, it, it, there was a koi pond, so, you know, it'd be able to, like, maybe went in there. We'd be able to replace it. But I re would I be able to replace that moment in which that they're gonna go before God and their family and friends to exchange rings and it turns out that the pastor forgot? No. You know, would I be able to replace the ring financially? Yes, but what about the investment of what those things symbolized and that being able to have that moment of being together and that would have been this priceless thing, this invaluable thing. And because for the first time in dozens of weddings, I was entrusted with those rings, I was so concerned to make sure that because it was loaned to me, I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to you know, have any issues with it. So it caused me to just put my hand in my right pocket for the entire afternoon until that time came. So with that being said, it's like when you're entrusted with something so valuable, it's when we recognize that, you know, because I'm not the owner of that ring, if I would have lost my own ring, I and Steph would have had issues with that, right? But that would have been on me. But when I'm entrusted and loaned, something else is loaned to me, and I'm entrusted with that, it adds this extra level of care, this extra layer of responsibility, this extra layer of accountability. And so our main point today is this idea, as we look to the plus sign here, it's this idea that because everything everything, because everything is owned by God, we must add a stewardship mindset to everything loaned by God. Again, because everything is owned by God, we must add, and it's an acronym there, we'll get into those points in a moment, but ADD must add a stewardship mindset to everything loaned by God. So for you, just to start thinking about this for yourself, when was a time in which you were entrusted with something valuable? Maybe for you, you were a best man in a wedding, and so you were holding on to those rings and making sure that nothing uh, happened to them. Maybe for some of you, it was when you were in, in high school and your parents entrusted your car to them. 
or they entrusted their car to you rather, and you took it on a joyride, or you either had a, a moment in which everything was safe and fine, or you had a moment like Ferris Bueller's Day Off when camera just it went all, all sideways. Maybe for you, it was this idea of you, you were entrusted with a special account at work, that there was a, an important client that, that your boss or your supervisor entrusted you with, and so you said, okay, this is something I can't mess up, or I don't want to have any issues with, or maybe it's something when you were house sat for somebody, or maybe it's something in which you dog sat for somebody, or Maybe it's something in which you babysat for somebody, and it's something that because it wasn't yours, because whatever it was that was entrusted to you and loaned to you wasn't yours, it provides this extra layer of care. Not that we don't care right about our own kids, and we don't care about our house, we don't care about our own finances, but when we recognize that everything is owned by God, it causes us to need to add a stewardship mindset, and we'll dive into what those things mean, but a stewardship mindset to everything loaned by God. And so, if you'll turn with me to Matthew 25, we get this idea, starting in verse 14, of this aspect of the stewardship mindset as we look at the parable of the talents. And as you do, we need to land, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hit this nail quite a few times, but this idea that for us to be able to understand a true knowledge and a true understanding of what stewardship is, we must remember this first point, that everything is owned by God. I've already said it, it's already in your main points, but as a reminder, everything is owned by God. You know, for us, we came from our previous home up in the LA area, Steph and I, we owned our condo, which meant that when we got there, before we moved in, we were able to, to pick the paint color that we wanted, we were able to get the floors just the way that we wanted. After a little while, we ended up putting uh, turf in the backyard because it was all, you know, hadn't been cared for in a while. We had uh, a new patio cover. We ended up um, redoing the kitchen after a couple years. We ended up being able to make this home our home that we wanted it. So it was we as the owners could decide exactly what we wanted, how we wanted, and why we wanted it. And we were able to make those choices because we controlled that as the owner. But when we moved down here, we're, we're renting down here, and it's a very different dynamic. It's this idea that you know, we can't just call up our landlord and say, um, hey, uh, quick question, you remember that, remember that wall in between uh, the dining room and the kitchen? Yeah, me neither. It's not there anymore. Like, we decided to change it, right? So it's, we can't just make those choices as a renter, as a steward of someone else's property that we could make if we were the owners. And so what that means is that for us to recognize that there is a difference between living our lives with an ownership mindset and living our lives with a stewardship mindset, and we're going to dive into that in just a moment. But as you are at Matthew 25, verse 14, it's on page 1544, 1544 in the church Bible. But before we even get started, we want to talk about the fact that the man in this parable, the man that goes on the journey, represents God. Okay, so the man on the journey represents God. So as we read verse 14, we're just going to start with verse 14. But remember, the man going on the journey is God. So again, verse 14 says, again, the kingdom of God, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So who is the man on the journey? God. Okay. So, and whose wealth is given to the servants? God's. Okay. So is it, is it, who's the man that's going on the journey? God. Whose wealth is given to the servants? God's. So who owns everything? God. Everything is owned by God. And so, there's a prime minister from the Netherlands named Abraham Kuyper, and he said this uh, in the, 20, at the beginning of the 20th century. 
He said, there is not one square millimeter of this entire creation about which Jesus Christ does not cry out, this is mine, it belongs to me. That Psalm 24 verse 1 puts a similar idea this way. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So the earth is whose? God's. Everything is owned by God and whose wealth is entrusted to the servants? God. I know I'm being repetitive, but sometimes things bear repeating that everything is owned by God. That stewardship, this idea of caring for something that has been owned by God is something that has been our calling from the very beginning. That we look at Genesis and all of, in the beginning of creation and we were called to be good stewards of the earth. We were called to work the land, to be fruitful, to multiply, to disperse across the earth. We were called to be good stewards from the very beginning. So this idea that were we ever the owners of earth? No. Because the earth and everything in it is God's. And so we recognize that if everything is owned by God, our responsibility from the very beginning has been to be a good steward, a good manager, a good overseer of that which has been loaned to us by God. Everything is owned by God, so we must add a stewardship mindset to everything loaned by God. C.S. Lewis talks about this when he says, every faculty, every faculty you have, your power of thinking, or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. That every single one of you has been given, every single one of us has been given Gifts has been given the ability to think critically, just to understand maybe it's how to create something. Maybe it's to understand how to teach, maybe not adults, but maybe we know how to teach preschoolers and little ones in a way that makes things come alive to them. Maybe for some of us, we have a knack for business and we're able to understand exactly how money works, exactly how budgets go together, exactly how to make a sale and close a sale. Maybe for some of us, we know how to work with people who have special needs or have difficult life circumstances and we could come alongside them and help them and come along and encourage them. But all of us have been given these gifts. And if we were to use those various gifts that I mentioned and countless others, if we were to use those every minute of our entire lives in service to God and not into service to self, we would still be giving something to God that was already his because everything is owned by God. We even look at this idea that we talked about the American dream last week and how many of us people in our culture would want to say, well, again, by the sweat of my brow and the perseverance of my spirit, I went from rags to riches and, and look at all this wealth that I have accumulated. Look at all this that I have done. And with that in mind, we contrast that idea with what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 in 18, and he says this, that you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Can't you hear our culture saying that when we look at everything, especially in light of the American dream? That you might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, verse 18, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which, is, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. That even the gifts that you have that allow you to make money were gifts given to you by God. They were things that have already been owned by God. And he's loaned it to you. He's loaned it to me. And so we recognize that everything is owned by 
God. And we're hitting that nail on the head a lot of times because sometimes it's hard to get things through our own heads sometimes. So we've looked at this idea that everything is owned by God. And so the next part of our main point is this idea that we must add a stewardship mindset to everything loaned by God. So how do we add, how to add a stewardship mindset to everything loaned by God? And again, underneath that, we use ADD. Hopefully this will be a mnemonic, an easy way for us to remember uh, what this is. So when we think of adding it, we can fill in the A, the D, and the D to spell it out. But the A that we have here, the first part is this idea of accepting responsibility. That we accept responsibility. So let me read verses 15 through 18 as we continue in Matthew 25, the parable of the bags of gold or the parable of the talents. To one, the master gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So let's stop there for a second, because they needed to, the, the servants who were given the wealth by God needed to recognize that they needed to accept responsibility for what he was saying. He's saying he's giving this to them, and they need to accept that responsibility and use it for his kingdom and for giving back to him. And so in order for us to wrap around, when I hear bag of gold, like what I think is like this small little pouch that you might have like, you picture like what those uh, like chocolate covered gold coins are that you see like in Trader Joe's, not that I know what those look like, but you picture like just these small little bags, like, oh, they're bags of gold. Like he gave one bag of gold to you and two to you and five to you. But let's look back at this idea, this idea of the word, the talent of giving talents of gold. A talent was a specific unit of measure. It wasn't just this general idea. So the unit of measure that we see for talent is 6,000 denarii. What's a denarii or denarius is the singular of that. A denarius is one day's worth of work, one day's wages. So if you look at one talent equals 6,000 denarii, what that means is that it's 6,000 days worth of work, 6,000 days of wages, which would approximately be between 15 and 16 years years worth. So picture however much you made in your heyday or in your current time, and time that between 15 and 16, and that's the amount of one talent if you were to equate that to modern day. In fact, in order for us to get an even better idea of what the modern day equation is, let's look at the fact that these are talents of gold. A talent also meant, in addition to 6,000 denarii, also meant 75 pounds of gold. So 75 pounds is, is kind of the size of an average 10-year-old girl. So this is not a small amount. This is not a bag of chocolate. This is, this is a lot of money, and this is a lot of gifts. And this idea of 75 pounds of gold is also 33 kilograms. And so what we look at here is that in June of 2018, that gold cost $41,155.69 per kilogram. And so if we were to multiply that by 33, that would tell us what one talent would be worth in our modern day equation of gold as, as recently as June 2018, so last month. So one talent of gold at that price would be $1,358,137.77. So when he's saying he gave one bag of gold to the, talent with, the person with one talent, this is how much that is, 1.3 million. For two talents, the guy with two talents, it's two sorry, $2,716,275.54. And the person with five talents, it was $6,790,688.85. So this is no small 
pocket change that he's giving to the servants. When God had given as the man, as representing the man who went on a journey, who is God, everything is owned by God, he gave over and above an incredible amount to each servant according to their ability. Recognizing who can I trust with a certain amount of money? Who can I trust with a certain amount of gifts in order to return back to me what is rightfully mine? Who can I trust to be a good steward? Bill Peel, who has some of the information that we talked to this sermon, and, and uh, you can read an article by him called Leadership is Stewardship, if you want to look into it a little bit more. But he has this quotation, talks about how God owns everything, which we've already hit on. But then he says, but we're responsible for how we treat it and what we do with it. That's not that he owns everything and just automatically knows how we're going to do. We are responsible for that. That We need to accept the responsibility for that. I don't know if you know, um, Pastor Dan, um, when he was uh, in Chicago for Moody Bible Institute for college, one of his jobs that he told me about was that he was a, a runner or a delivery person um, for a jeweler. And so he would go and he would dress up and fit in with the crowd as best as possible um, with suit and tie and looking like a young businessman just kind of walking through Chicago. And inside his bag, instead of it being a laptop or, or notes or things like that, was you know thousands upon thousands of dollars of jewelry. And so he, in order to take that job, had to accept the responsibility that yes, there was insurance there, but he knew when he was putting a jewel in his bag and as he was walking down the street or when he was taking the, the uh, public service or whatever, the transportation, he knew that he was responsible, not just for the financial commitment, but like we talked about with the engagement rings, it's the sentimental value. I mean, how do you replace someone who gave their 50th wedding anniversary their ring because they wanted to get it clean? How do you replace that if you were to lose that? You couldn't. And thankfully, Dan didn't have any issues like that, but he had to accept that responsibility in order to take that position to recognize that there is a weight when we are entrusted with something that is vitally important to other people and when it's something that is so valuable as to be priceless. Now, you and I, We've been entrusted with some incredible things. And we need to accept that responsibility. That some of you, you have gifts that you've been given by God that you are able to do things with talents and abilities that no one else can do. But, but we, we maybe think that, well, it's not my place to use this voice that God has given me to sing. Or it's not my place to use this brain that God has given me to, to write and to inspire. It's not my place to step out of the limelight, or step out into the limelight, I should say. But instead, it's our, it's our place to accept responsibility for what God has given us and to recognize that he trusts that you, that I, that we are entrusted to certain things that only we could do certain aspects and fit certain roles and reach certain people in the kingdom. So we need to accept that responsibility, not shy away and try to hide our light under a bushel basket, but rather that we would pull the light out and that we would do good deeds. What does Matthew 5, 16 say? So that people would give glory to the Father because of the good deeds. Not for our name or our glory, but to God's glory and to his name. And so we need to accept that responsibility. After we talk about accepting responsibility, let's go to the, the first letter D for us. And that's this idea of demonstrate accountability. So first, in order to add a stewardship mindset, we have to accept responsibility. And with that, that's when they showed, here's the amount of talents that I'm giving to you. Here's the amount of gold I'm giving to you. And so we, they needed to accept that and then from there, move forward. And then while they move forward, the way they do that is by demonstrating accountability, by going before the master when he returned and making an account of what he, they had done to, to show, this is how much you gave me, this is how much I've made you back and give it back to him. Because again, they're not the owners. They've been loaned. They not are the ones who own it. 
And so it's this idea of if you had a job review, and, and perhaps when you've had job reviews, maybe if you're, when you're younger, it's this idea of a report card. You can kind of look at where you're at, and you have to make an account to your parents and say, well, what happened with that grade there? Or, or you know, what happened here? And you have to make an account for that. For those of us in the working world, maybe it's this idea of, of coming up and having a yearly annual review, and you have to go before your boss or supervisor, and he or she will say, hey, here are your goals. How did you do with those goals? And some years we might come up and say, you know, I've knocked the goal out of the park, I'm doing this, and I'm right there, and, and I'm feeling good about this one, here's what it looks like. And it says, well done, that is awesome. Keep going, keep doing what you're doing, let's just keep moving forward. In other years, maybe there's times where we've had reviews where it's, you know, hey, I've noticed that you're falling short in here, and I know that you're not really moving forward at all in this area, and, and I, it seems like we need to work together in this, or we need to come alongside one another, because this isn't going as smoothly as we would like. And either way, whether it's good or bad, whether it's a good review or a bad review, whether you're bringing everything before uh, the, the master and it's doing the right way, or the boss in this case, or not, it's this making an account for it. It's saying, this is what I've done, and I'm giving it back to you. This is how I've worked, I'm giving it back to you. Uh, Peter Block talks about stewardship, and he says that it's, stewardship is the willingness to be held accountable for the well-being of the larger organization by operating in service rather than control of those around us. Now, this is a thing that we need to land on, because if we talked about earlier that everything is owned by God, and we recognize that we've only been loaned certain things by God, that if everything is owned by God, our abilities, our finances, our relationships, our place in this world, what we have, all of it is owned by him. And if that is true, then we need to recognize that as not owners who would try to control everything, but as stewards, as people who are been called to serve, we don't operate out of control anymore, because God is in control, and we operate out of serving out of service, out of how can we serve our owner and serve those around us. And if we don't understand this, if we fall into the trap of living like owners, then we're going to try, try to make everything exactly out of our control, the way that we want it, how we want it, why we want it, and when we want it. And that's the same idea that when my wife and I, when we were owning our home, we would look and say, we want our home this exact way and all that. Is it bad to own a home? No. So don't misunderstand the analogy. What it's saying, though, is that we were to take control because we saw it as an ownership. But if we're to be able to see that we are stewards, we're serving those around us, not trying to own everything around us. Because when we are owners, we operate out of control. And when we are stewards, we operate out of service. And for me, the area that this hits home the most, for me, is this idea that we have two incredible girls. And I can find myself, as someone who's been a, a, trying to be a recovering perfectionist, seeing my daughter who is in the middle of wrestling with perfectionism and wanting to do things perfectly, I can find myself going into the tendency to try to control everything she does. To try to make it like, okay, you need to be, you know, okay, that was great that you did that, but have you looked at it this way? Or, or hey, that's really awesome, and, and affirming things that are, hey, you are smart, which is a good thing to affirm, but what's even better to affirm is that, hey, when things get hard, you have the ability to make it through, and teaching resilience and perseverance, not just performance. But this idea of, we, we look at the fact that I don't want to control my, my daughters, because am I the owner of my daughters? No, I'm a steward. They were God's daughters before they were mine. They were God's daughters before they were Steph's. That I look at Elise, she's turning three years old in a few weeks, and she'll turn three, which means that she's one-sixth, which is 16.6 repeating, uh, one-sixth of the way done of being in our household. 
And that's not because we want to kick her out. That's this idea of like, oh my gosh, there's still so much to teach. There's still so much to learn. There's still so much to grow. There's still so many things we want her to take hold of. And then I look at Shaylin, and she's six, coming up on seven. She's already one-third of the way done out of our house. We are not the owners of our daughters. And because I need to remember that we are not the owners of our daughters, then I'm going to not try to control them. I am a steward. She is God's. They are God's before they were mine. And so as a hope to serve them so that they can be best served to follow God and to be able to to be the young women that God has called them to become. And so it's out of a stewardship mindset of serving rather than an ownership mindset of controlling. That we recognize that if we come into life with our relationships and maybe for you, it's, it's you're past the age where you have kids, but you're the age where your kids have gotten married. And so there's in-laws and maybe it's your kids' kids and your grandkids are people that, that have been entrusted to you that God looked at you and he said that no one could be a better husband to your wife or a better wife to your husband, or no one could be a better grandparent than you are to these specific kids, or nobody could be a better employee to these people you work with, or nobody could be a better friend than these people around you, because God has placed each and every one of you for such a time as this in the lives of those around you. And it's not about our ability to own those relationships and control them, but it's our idea to be a steward of the relationship God has given so we can serve people. So we look at this idea of accepting responsibility. Then we look at this idea of demonstrating accountability, of recognizing what we've been given, relationships, money, abilities, all these things, and saying, okay, now I'm going to make an account for what God has given me. And I hope that when I do, when I stand before God, it's an account that is honoring to him. And this is what happens when we see that happen. In verse 21, we look at this idea of delighting in God's reward. That's the final D for you, is the idea of delighting in God's rewards. In verse 21, It says this, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, this idea of master's happiness, that word can be translated as joy. It could also be uh, translated as delight. So this idea of come and enjoy and delight and the rewards that God has for you. Because if we accept responsibility, we demonstrate accountability, then we'll be able to go before God and delight in the rewards that he has. Now, a few weeks ago, if you were here with us in, our, in one of our final weeks, our final week of the uh, It Starts Here series, we used an illustration about the maze. And in this maze illustration, we put up a simple maze on the wall, or sorry, on the screen, and just said, okay, let's try to get to the end. And, and I was sharing how for me, the quickest way for me to solve a maze is to start at the end at the destination and work backwards because it kind of eliminates some of the rabbit trails that you might go on if you start from the beginning and you get kind of all over the place. So not everyone goes that route, but I remember uh, I, one of the crew leaders told me at VBS that one of the games uh, for the kids to play was a maze. And my daughter Shailen was like, guys, I know how to solve it. Start from the end and work backwards. I'm like, that's my girl. Um, But we look at this idea that I want you, if you remember that illustration, even if you don't, just the the nugget you need to grab is this idea that we begin with the end in mind, and then we work backwards of how the best way to get there is. So I'm going to ask you to actually really close your eyes right now. And I want you to think about this. If we looked at that idea of the maze, but the end, the goal that we were looking for was to be able to stand face to face with Jesus, looking at all the things that he has given us throughout our lives and to be able to, to accept that responsibility in order to, to, to uh, demonstrate that accountability 
and then to be able to stand before him face to face and to give him an account of how we were stewards that served rather than owners who tried to control and that we would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a little. I will give you much. Come and share in your master's happiness, in his joy, in his delight. And if we were to think about that moment in mind and then have that be the end of the maze and we work backwards in order to see how to get there, what is it that this parable says is the way to get to that point? It's being a good steward of what God has given us. It's recognizing that because everything has been owned by God, that we must add a stewardship mindset to everything loaned by God. And it's when we recognize that we are stewards and we are servants rather than owners who control that we are able to give back to him that which has already been him from the very beginning. And we're able to say, God, you have given me these gifts. I have used these gifts for your glory and I'm giving it back to you. God, you have given me these finances. I invested these finances to build your kingdom and I'm giving it back to you. God, you have given me these relationships, my family, my kids, my grandkids, my in-laws, my close friends, my roommates, whoever it is is, and I'm doing the best that I can to serve and steward those people, and I'm giving it back to you. And then he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. And if we are to begin with the end in mind, that would change and shape the way that we live today, tomorrow, until that moment where he calls us home. So open your eyes again. Bill Peel talks about the idea that, interestingly, the promise of this kind of reward in the New Testament implies applies not only to the stewards of the huge estates described in Matthew 25, but also to slaves working in a household. Everyone is a steward in God's household, and everyone can look forward to a reward for faithful service. That it's not based on how much we are given, and it's not about the amount that we are given, rather than it's the fact that we are held to account for what's been given. We see this in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Which says, work, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That, the context of that passage is encouragement for Christian households, specifically for slaves, for servants inside the household of their masters and saying, you are doing things as if for the Lord, not for man, not for human masters. And so rather it's the idea that even whether you are a servant in a household, whether you're estates of millions upon millions of dollars, we are all stewards of whatever God has given us and that we can all expect a reward when what he's given us, we give back to him faithfully and in service rather than trying to control it for ourselves. So I want to close with a few final thoughts, a few final observations about a stewardship mindset, about stewardship. And we find these in in the rest of the text here. So we're going to read verse 22 and 23. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's Happiness. Now, what does this teach us? One of the observations for your notes there is that God expects us to be good stewards regardless of how much we have in comparison with others. That the man who had two bags of gold, two talents, even when he worked and even when he doubled it, even when he doubled, he had four, which was less than the five-talent person had when he got started. And if he's like us, and maybe if I'm with like 
this person, when I'm honest it's, and when I'm frank, it's this idea that I want to compare to what other people have. And so it's this idea of, C.S. Lewis talks about that the thief of joy, comparison is the thief of joy. That we might be so excited. Like if I gave everyone in here 20 bucks, we'd all be excited about it, right? But if I gave everybody whose birthday was January through July, through June, 20 bucks, and everyone from July to December, $40, like, hey, that's not fair. But I gave you out of the bounty of what I wanted to give you anyways. You didn't have $20 if you were January through June regardless. But we say, but that's not fair because the other person has more than me. We look to those to the left and to the right and say that we look at other people's wealth or other people's gifts or other people's families or other people's lot in life and we compare and in so doing we lose the joy of receiving what God has graciously given us. Not because we were owed anything but because everything is owned by God and yet he's entrusted us with things that are so valuable. And so we recognize that regardless of comparison the man who had two talents still worked, still doubled it, and still received the exact same blessing, the exact same reward, and said, you are faithful with little, I will give you much. Come and enjoy the master's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't get a better blessing or a lesser blessing than the one who had more. He got the same because it's about, again, not the amount we've been given, but the account to which we give back to God. So, we're not to look to the left or to the right to what other people have in order to determine our own willingness to serve and our devotion to give things back to God, but rather we say, whatever you have loaned me, God, I will give back to you because I know it's all owned by you in the first place. Secondly, there are consequences for poor stewardship. There are consequences for poor stewardship. I don't know how many of you have seen Lord of the Rings, but there's a character who, uh, specifically in The Return of the King, is when we see most, more, the most about him. And he was, his name is Denethor II. You don't need to write that down. But he was the steward of Gondor. He was the one that was in charge with this kingdom that the king has, was gone and had been for generations, for 25 generations. There had been no king in this city, but there had been a line of stewards who would rule the country or rule the area as if they were in charge, knowing that in time they would have to give it back to the king once he came. But the problem was is that when you're in a place of being a steward for so long, you start to lose the mindset that you are a steward who's here to serve, and we start to think that we can be owners who are here to control. And so he was a horrible steward, and the king came back, and he didn't want to release it, and it's this whole uh, drama that, um, it's, it's an incredible story, but it's one of those ideas that because he was a poor steward, his line was almost ended, he died, Sorry, spoiler alert. It's been out for 60 years, so I don't feel that bad. Um, but it's this idea where so much happened because he wasn't a good steward. Because he didn't hold loosely onto that which God had loaned to him. Rather, he thought that God had given it to him for his ownership. And so there are consequences for poor stewardship. In our story, let's read uh, verse 24 through 30, the rest of the parable. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Recognize that this is the steward, this is the servant's understanding, his perception of God. Not necessarily the truth about the master, but his understanding of him. And out of that understanding, he hid. And in some senses, you could say, well, he gave back what was given. 
But God doesn't just want us to give exactly back what, he was, what was given to us. He wants us to use it and to multiply it and to invest it in God's kingdom. Let's continue on. Verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take this bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken away from them and throw out that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, there's a lot to unpack there because that sounds really mean. It sounds like there's a God who says that is so harsh that he would throw out someone who doesn't have barely anything and he would give it to the person who has so much. And if we just look at it from the outside, that can seem harsh and frustrating. But again, recognize, this is the idea, the false perception of God's character from the kind of servant who looks at what he's been given and is afraid to do anything with it, who hides that gift, hides the finances, hides the abilities, hides the relationships under a bushel basket. And someone who doesn't use that and serve out of that idea of a stewardship to give to other people. And so what happens is, is that he's saying, if this is what you really think of me, then should you have not even with your own false line of thinking, but with that line of thinking, shouldn't you have said, well, at least I can put it on the bankers. At least I can get some interest in this. But because you held on to it, I'm going to take what's given and I'm going to give it to the person who has more. Why? Because if we look at it just at pure quantifying money, it looks mean to take that which from one who has one and give it to the one who already has 10 because he's doubled his five. But when we look at it through the eye of an owner looking for a good steward, who would a good owner want to give more resources to? The one that he knows will be faithful with what he's been given. The one that he knows when he receives or she receives money We'll give it back to God or to use it for God's kingdom. The one who, whether he or she receives or recognizes the gifts, uses it for the glory of God and not for their own namesake. The one who sees the relationships that have been entrusted to them and says, I'm going to cultivate and encourage these relationships to know Jesus, not just to play it safe and, and be afraid to share about him. That he's looking for people who will be good stewards. And so if you look at this through a stewardship mindset, it would make the most sense for a master who has a lot to be able to give to the one that he knows he can trust to have more. Now we look at this, uh, there's a quotation I want to share from Bill Peel. He says this, the parable, this parable is a commentary, not on God's character, but on an unfaithful steward's perception of God's character. Again, character and perception, very different things. If we believe that our master is harsh and exacting, we will act accordingly. Maybe we won't bury the vast resources that a talent represented, 15 years wages, but we will serve out of our own self-interest, not of our masters. And in doing so, we will deserve to be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because again, if we look at everything as owners, who everything is, we want to control it. Even if it's a small thing, if it's a big thing, whatever it is, if our mindset is an ownership mindset, then we are already denying the most important point we talked about today, which everything is owned by God. And so, if we want to be able to recognize how to be a good steward, we need to recognize that we need to have a proper understanding of how God is as a master. That he gives, again, all the wealth was God's. He gave it willingly to the servants to be used for his kingdom, to bring something back to him. And so it would make sense for him to want to find the one he could trust and to give more. 
And we cannot play the blame game. We cannot say that it's other people's faults why things aren't working out for us because that's what Eve did when he said that Adam was here and that's what Adam did, or Eve blamed the serpent and then Adam blamed Eve when really Adam should have stepped up and said, get away from my wife. Get behind me, Satan. But this idea happens in which if we play the blame game and say it's someone else's fault, or I was afraid that uh, you were a harsh and exhausting master, or, or I was afraid of what other people would think, if we have these other excuses and play the blame game put upon everybody else, then what are we not doing? We are not accepting responsibility. We are not demonstrating accountability. And because of that, we will not delight in God's rewards. The last point. We've hit on this kind of and touched upon it in different directions, but a stewardship mindset isn't just about our money. This parable is about money, yes. This series that we're talking about is about money and generosity, yes. But a stewardship mindset is far more vast than just how we handle our money. Is that part of it? Yes. Is that a vital part of it? Yes. But it's not the only part of it. It's not the only part of it. Bill Peel, again, he says, in the same way, we are stewards of everything given, including our time, money, abilities, information, wisdom, relationships, and authority. And we will all give account to the rightful owner as to how well we manage the things he has entrusted to us. Romans 14, starting at the third part of verse 10, says, For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. All of us will have been given things. We need to accept that responsibility. Then we need to demonstrate accountability and have that moment of accounting. Say, God, this is what you've given me, and this is what I've done with it. And if we do that, in a way, not as an owner who controls, but as a steward who serves. If we do that, then we'll be able to delight in his rewards and to share in our master's happiness. So this morning, as we close, are you someone, are we people, are you living more with an owner mindset that everything is about your control of how you want it, why you want it, when you want it, and where you want it? Or are you living, including your finances, including your gifts, including your relationships? Or are you living as a steward who recognizes that it's not out of control, but out of service that we've been given these things? That there will be a day in which we are called to account. That there will be a time in which we need to accept those things. And if we do those, there will be a time in which we can delight. And in what areas are you overlooking the valuable treasure that you've been entrusted with by God? For some of you, maybe it's finances, and it is this idea of I've been given this ability to make money, and I've been given this treasure, and I'm holding on to it because maybe it's for a rainy day someday or, or to have money in the bank, but recognizing that we talked about last week that we can try to save for future security, but our eternal security came from the poverty of Jesus, and so that is how we are made truly rich, and that through that we can give back to God what he's already given to us. And so maybe for some of you, it's this idea of your relationships, that you've not truly recognized and taken hold of the fact that out of everyone in the entire world, you have been placed in those specific relationships because God knew that you would be the best person for that. That for whatever reason, God felt that I would be the best wife to Stephanie. And he felt that I would be the best dad to Shaylin and Elise. And I need to accept that. I need to be held accountable to that. And I'll be able to delight in God's rewards for that. Because everything is owned by God. We must add a stewardship mindset to everything loaned by God. And so with this in mind, as we've been hearing that verse from 21, that this well done, good and faithful servant, 
You've been faithful with little. I will put you in charge of much. Come and share your master's happiness. If we want to live with that end in mind, that we would live in such a way from now until the day the Lord calls us home, and we were to live in such a way as a steward that recognizes that we are not here to control or to own, but to be a steward and to serve, then we'll be able to be able to see lives being changed, including our own. We'll be able to see homes and families being changed, including our own. We'll be able to see workplaces being changed, including our own, and churches being changed, including our own, and cities being changed, including our own, and countries being changed, including our own, and this world being changed, including our own, that we've been called to be a steward with from the very beginning. But if we live with the mindset that we are here to be stewards and to serve, that everything we have we hold loosely, and that everything we have we're going to be held account to, we'll be able to see lives changed. We'll be able to see incredible things happen when we'll be able to give honor and glory to God, and he will say those words that we long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in little, I'll put you in charge of much. Come and share your master's happiness. Because everything is owned by God. So we must add a stewardship mindset. To hear those words, you must add a stewardship mindset to everything loaned by God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for God entrusting us with so much. Entrusting us with relationships, with finances, with gifts with the ability to to think critically and to speak and the ability to be a witness and to do so many things. God, that none of that comes from our own strength, that we are not self-made men and women because we could not make ourselves. So we give you honor and glory and praise for how you've made us, how you've shaped us, what you've given us. And Lord, may we have eyes to see the ways in which we can get rid of an ownership mindset that says that we are here to control but that we would take upon ourselves and add to our lives a stewardship mindset of recognizing how can we serve. And so, Lord, I pray that you would encourage, convict, and challenge us in whatever way we need to be so that we can, too, whenever you call us home, hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Even faithful with little, I will give you much. Come and joy and share in your master's happiness. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.